0: Welcome to the Echo Church podcast. Echo is a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio, who love Jesus, love hanging out, and are navigating the ups and downs of our faith together. We're glad you're here. Okay, I have a question. Are you, are you a nap person? Like if your boss assigned you that every day you had to stop and take a nap, would you do it? Yes? Okay. Nap people. I think, I think children are the only ones that don't like to nap because you want them to nap. So I think by the time we're in adulthood, we all want naps, right? Well, Trisha Hersey is trying to give people the assignment to rest. And I read about her sometime in the last, I think it was like last summer. But the reason why it caught my eye is that she has created what she dubbed the Nap Ministry. So, of course, that caught my, my eye, you know. She titled herself the Nap Bishop. And she is advocating for napping for all. So Trisha began this quest when she was actually studying in seminary. And she found herself exhausted. She was a mom of a small child. She was doing an internship for her program. And she was still working at the same time. And she was exhausted, as you might imagine. And so her grades and her health are really suffering. And at one point, she just said, I couldn't help but fall asleep while I was studying. But she realized, because she also has a degree in public health, that, hey, my body is trying to tell me something. Because when she would wake up from those times of accidentally napping, she realized she felt so much better. And so she discovered that, hey, I need to work naps into my schedule. No matter how busy it seems that I am, I need to find times for rest. So she described even going and finding a certain bench that was between two classes, and she would be like, I just napped right there, out in public, didn't bother me, so I love that. But she said this, grind culture has normalized pushing our bodies to the brink of destruction. This was in her book, Rest is Resistance. We proudly proclaim showing up to work or an event despite an injury, sickness, or mental break. We are praised and rewarded for ignoring our body's need for rest, care, and repair. So, Trisha realized she was not the only one who needed reminders or even invitations to put rest into their lives more often, and so she has begun Um, this ministry, as she calls it, and she does meet, this is a picture from the space where she meets in, which is a former Presbyterian church, and she's trying to spread the good word, but also she hosts events of collective napping. She tries to get people to show up, like in a park, and bring yoga mats, and just lay there, and take a nap, or daydream. She's like, you know, just the act of sitting still, and allowing your mind to think, and wander, and give yourself permission. And she said that at these events where she's even brought in a live harpist or a, or a special playlist, and she tries to just encourage everyone. She said she's had some people wake up after falling asleep and say how profound it feels to give themselves permission to rest. So Tricia says now her perspective is this. I judge success by how many naps I took in a week and how many times I told somebody no. How many boundaries I upheld. To me, that's justice, that's liberation, that's freedom. So today we're going to read in scripture, not only permission, but an assignment to rest. And so we're going to be in the book of Hebrews today in our series, Hebrews chapter four. And I'm just going to go ahead and give you permission. If you're watching at home, even if you're here, get comfy. If you doze off, I don't mind. You can catch up if you want to later on our YouTube feed. Seriously, if your body's crying out for rest, just give in. Give in, all right? Okay, we're studying Hebrews, and we're calling this Jesus There and Back Again. Because as we go through this book of the Bible, which is in the New Testament, we're actually being taken throughout the Old Testament and the faith history of God's people over the centuries. So it's a big big quest that we're on together. And so... Um, You can catch up on on the history of some of this if you'd like, and our past um, services are linked on our website. But Hebrews is actually a letter. It's a letter, and we don't know the exact author, but we know that they care about these friends of theirs, uh, a church community that would be probably in an urban setting, the way things are described, meeting in a home, and they happen to be Jewish people by ancestry. They've grown up following the law, and they learned about Jesus And they started to have a faith that was different. And they're learning how to practice that. But we're going to read later that they've gone through some pain. And so this whole letter is an encouragement to say, hold tight to your faith. Jesus is who we thought he was. So this letter references many scriptures. And a lot of them so far have come from the book of Psalms. And as you might know, these were actual songs that were sung. And so the author is revisiting the lyrics to give new and deeper meaning, showing how Jesus fits into those lyrics, fulfilling God's promises or being a new way of expressing this love. And also, some of these songs are singing about some history. And last week in Hebrews 3, we were in Psalm 95. And we talked about the people in the desert who had escaped slavery in Egypt, had followed Moses as a leader, and the struggles that they had in this. So we're still in the desert today, a little bit of a part two in Psalm 95 as we move into Hebrews chapter 4. And last week we ended on an important encouragement that said, encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. And that was our challenge last week. But the author of Hebrews is going to do that, going to say to do it, and then today, there's going to be some encouragement specifically focused on rest. And when someone says rest, I always say yes. So let's begin in Hebrews 4, and I'll read you verse 1. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. We're going to stop here and talk about rest and what it's going to mean, because this letter is going to reference rest throughout history And we're going to, I'm going to make it a map. So this week we're going to involve, first we're going to begin with the Israelites and where they were rescued from slavery, and they were promised a place to rest. And we know that commonly as the promised land. And the promised land was a symbol for this rest that God had um, intended for people. But then the author is going to compare that and jump back in time all the way to creation To say God invented rest and began resting in creation. And then going to move forward to say all Jesus' followers are invited into rest. So this is the various ways that we're going to use the term this morning. So now that we've got our map, let's head in. Hebrews 4, verse 2. For we have also had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did. And they here is the Israelites in the desert. But the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter rest, just as God said. So I declared in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. That was the quote from Psalm 95, that last little bit that's set apart there visually. And if you recall last week, as we discussed Jewish history, Yahweh, the Lord God, rescued his people out of Egypt, and then they started to struggle and We know that it wasn't just like a one-time thing. You know, we can all get angry temporarily, right? We talked about that last week. God can get angry righteously. There's reasons. But the Israelites rebelled, and in Numbers 14, we saw that they were, it was just something going on that went deeper and deeper internally, and it described that their hearts had become hardened. So this is evidence that there was something ongoing and that there was something They were externally displaying something going on within. And so Yahweh said, you know, you're not just rejecting me, you're rejecting this this promise that I was giving you. And so he just didn't open the opportunities to head to the promised land until that generation had all passed away. And the only exceptions were Caleb and Joshua, who were the next generation of leaders after Moses and Aaron. And so this rest for Israel in the promised land, our first stop on the map, it's symbolizing that a deeper meaning here, that God is saying, I set out for you a a picture of, of something eternal and something set apart and holy. And the people were rebelling against serving the Lord at all. Verse three continues, and yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from all his works. And again, he says, they shall never enter my rest. So now the quote from Psalm 95 is connecting to Genesis 2. God rested after creation. Yahweh's rest is set a part of the act of creation, and it precedes and stands outside of human history and time. And it's an example for the people. And this connection between Psalm 95 and Genesis 2 was not new. So the people receiving the letter of Hebrews, they grew up studying Scripture. And so they knew they would have heard these two pieces of Scripture put together on Sabbath worship. This was the liturgy that they would have read and prayed through and sang through when it was time to practice Sabbath in the synagogues. And so we haven't read this word Sabbath yet, but that is what's slowly coming into focus. That might be a term that you've heard, because this rest is often synonymous with Sabbath. And it was in the framework of Israel's identity. If you recall from the Ten Commandments, in Exodus 20, there is a command that says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days shall you labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath, To the Lord your God. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The entire point of God choosing a people had been this Yahweh wanted a group of people to imitate who he was, his holiness, his goodness, his love, and his care on earth, so that other nations would get to learn about who this God was. And part of that was saying, you got to rest like me. And this was probably very different from the culture of the day. The fact that a group of people would all just stop for 24 hours, that had to have gotten attention. People wondering, why are you doing this? Who is this God that you follow? I always say I love a God who likes to rest. And because we talk about how Yahweh in the Old Testament is the same God as Jesus in the New Testament, I always like to compare. And in Mark chapter 4, one time Jesus was out with his disciples and he had preached all day long. He was really exhausted. No one told me that as I became a preacher. I take Sunday naps because it's really exhausting. No one gave me that I, uh, that little tidbit. So Jesus has breached all day. He's really exhausted, so exhausted that he fell asleep in a boat, and there's a storm going on. But it says, verse 38, Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. We even get his resources. We get to know his napping tools. I love it. I love a good pillow. Yep. That's necessary for a good nap. And I just love that because Jesus was exhausted and he is resting and he's in a human body and it shows that human bodies get exhausted. We can have permission to take naps. And so Jesus also observed the Sabbath. He was Yahweh who created Sabbath in the beginning and he observed it every week on earth just like his friends And I just want to see that, that Jesus was living out the same values and characteristics that we read about in Exodus. Let's keep reading in Hebrews. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who had formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in, God set aside a certain day, calling it today. So we have our connection again last week Encourage one another as long as it's called today. And here it's like, today, you get the invitation to rest today. We haven't yet talked about why. What is the point? Why is an infinite God outside of the space-time continuum trying to rest anyway? I'm sure there is no, like, physical need for God to rest. So it's a choice. Why is this choice being made? In it, I see the greater gifts of pausing, When you stop, you look around, you pay attention to things differently, probably. You ever have those like busy moments and then you stop and you look and you're like, was that thing always there? Was that house always that color? Was that thing always sitting on the street corner? Did I leave that pile in my house and walk by it 50 times a day? Yeah, probably. But sometimes it's also you stop and you take in the sky above or the people in your household. You start to appreciate, but you have to slow down and pause sometimes to really pay attention. And then when you stop, the gratitude deepens. Church lingo would be, you count your blessings, right? When you stop, you recognize that you're not in control. And that's scary, that's scary. You have to trust that someone else is gonna do the thing. That you don't have to do all the things. That you can't do all the things. And God stopped so that we would also stop and know that it's not all on us. And that should be a blessing. That should be a good reminder, a relaxing, relieving reminder. But it's also an act of trust. From the beginning, Sabbath was for every living thing. We skipped a verse in Exodus 20 when I was reading on purpose. Uh, On the Sabbath, you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. They couldn't demand on others anything more. God was like, everyone rests. Those animals are tired. They get to rest too. And later in Leviticus 25, the land gets to rest. But in the seventh year, the land is to have a year of Sabbath. A Sabbath to the Lord. Do not sow your fields or prune your vineyards. Do not reap what grows or harvest the grapes. The land is to have a year of rest. Every living thing needs rest. And that means God created it with that purpose. And it's kind of interesting to then think about that we need rest to survive, therefore somehow we were created with that need. All creatures. Recharging our minds, our hearts, our bodies. It was built into everything's essence. Even the land. And I don't know about you, but this new year, I felt felt this winter season is like, don't feel motivated. You know, I kind of thought, January, New Year. Nope, didn't have any of that. It was cold. There was some snow outside, and I just felt very snuggly. And then I felt guilty. I don't know. A, maybe that's a cultural thing, right? Like, I'm not doing the things. What is this about? And I, then I kept seeing reminders popping up, people saying things. They're like, why do we have winter? Why does it get quieter? Why does it feel insulated? Why do animals hibernate? It's because there's these seasons built in to say, have you rested? We're going to bring it together. We're going to like kind of force the whole world to come to a stop at times. And this rest, this built-in cycle. And a friend of mine shared this quote from theologian Joy Marie Clarkson that gave me encouragement. Do not be afraid of winter. Do not be afraid to not bear fruit. To feel like many things which were once beautiful have dropped away from you to sleep diligently, and above all, to survive. Patiently live. Remember that the dark of winter precedes the decadent glory of spring. And have you guys felt a little bit more energy alive this past two days when there's sunshine out? Our household kept talking about it like we can't put into words the joy that the sunshine has brought. Just these past couple of days. And there's something about that reawakening and giving energy. But there was a chance to sleep and to slow down and to not be productive all the time. Like Sabbath or like winter, it wasn't punishment. Last year, we read through the book of Exodus. And when we got to the Ten Commandments, we tried to reframe it. Because many of us have have heard the Ten Commandments in a very negative, brow-beating way. But the Ten Commandments were freeing. This was a people who had spent centuries in slavery, and they said, you get to rest one full day, an entire week, every week. When was the last time they got to rest? God gave these ten pieces as freedom to live in their freedom, with more joy, with more energy. And part of that was saying, you get the gift of not doing anything at all, and I will provide. You don't have to work so hard today, and your food will be there. It was an act of trust, but it was this gift. And I can't help but think that Trisha Hersey, that we talked about in the beginning, she wrote a book, Rest is Resistance, and I kind of feel this little rebellious spirit of Yahweh going like, We're going to resist all the oppression that you were just a part of. You're just going to sit still, and it's going to happen. There's a little bit of, I don't know, I feel like a little rebellious God here. Like, I'm just going to to bring it to you. and You don't have to do anything at all. This is what I want to show the world is that I'm providing for my people. And this whole point was to say, I have offered this invitation to everyone. Let's keep reading verse 8 of Hebrews chapter 4. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works just as God did from his. Therefore, let us make every effort to enter that rest. Do you know what else Sabbath is? It's a rest from performance, right? It's a rest from like trying to earn something. New York City preacher Rich Velotis said, Sabbath is one of the clearest signs of the gospel of grace. You intentionally accomplish nothing, and God still loves you. That's good news. We rest from working because we don't have to earn God's love with our work. You don't have to earn God's love. That's true today, just as for every generation in the past. But when Jesus was living on earth, we saw the way he acted toward the teachers of the law. Because by this point in Jewish history, they had taken rest and made work out of it. Because humans do that, right? God didn't give us enough boundaries. Let's make sure we're not breaking that law, so let's add all the rules and regulations to it. Do we happen to do that today? We take the mystery of God and we try to figure it out because it's nerve-wracking. But here's 39 categories of work that were forbidden on the Sabbath because they're like, we didn't have enough details. We're going to give you the details. No sewing, plowing, reaping, binding sheaves, threshing, winnowing. We've got, you can't make two loops, weave two threads, separate two threads, tie a knot, loosen a knot, sew stitches, don't write two letters of the alphabet. Don't put out a fire or light a fire. I kind of want them in different orders. Uh, Don't strike with a hammer or carry from one domain to another. And at some point, they even said, like, if something could do any of those things, you can't even hold the tools. Like, picking up the tool was work. But the Jewish people didn't need to earn God's love. When Jesus was on earth, he just said, the Sabbath is for people, It's for rest and healing and he would heal people intentionally just to show like, look, this is good and good things happen on the Sabbath. The Sabbath is for being with God and being with other people who love God and draw them to their creator. Jesus' spirit gets to bring us rest and we get to interact with that spirit. In a Sabbath rest. On our map, we've now arrived at our last piece. I'd say it's the present or the future, it was the present first century, but this was the beginning of all Jesus' followers to say, look, you are also invited into God's rest. If you noticed the verse we just read, we talked about the Sabbath rest, anyone who enters into God's rest. And earlier it was like, you can come and you're entering. And it's all very present tense because the Sabbath was a constant invitation. It was an invitation to say, Jesus is in continually inviting you into rest. And this kind of rest, it's not just for the future, but it is the future. So if you're, if you're future, is secure in Jesus, you can can also live out rest on a day-to-day basis. So, the way the author of Hebrews is trying to remind their friends to say, Jesus did the work. He lived and taught amazing things and demonstrated what God's love looked like. Jesus died and took away the pain of sins we've done and the sins done to us. And then he rose again to say, he has power that we can trust in. And now, because of that, because of that spiritual rest, then we can live with a sense of rest in our day-to-day lives. We can rest assured that God's redemption is for us. We can rest assured that we are healed. We are offered healing. And it might be a long journey, but we're offered to heal internally. We can... Rest assured that Jesus' promises are for us. So, all of this, all these pieces added to the idea of rest, gives like a different richness and meaning. So, let's look at what this means to us today. My challenge is for us to plan to practice Sabbath. Let's choose rest for our bodies and our minds and our souls, our anxieties. Our fears. Let's know from Jesus that we're created in beauty. We're loved through his sacrifice. And we're just called to give gratitude. And one of the ways to do that is to stop. We're just demonstrated right here today. Then let's not make let's not stress over making a bunch of rules about it, because we're human and if you have a new goal in life, you get really excited and then don't do it right, and then you feel bad about it, right? So let's just. Look about ways. I'm not even going to give any list of specific ideas because you're going to know. You're going to know what it means for you. But sometimes rest can happen alone, and maybe your mind is freer to pray or to think creative thoughts when you're by yourself. And when you use those skills that you've been given to create, that's an act of Sabbath worship to God. But Sabbath isn't just alone. I don't know, I always think that, like, oh, Sabbath is out to be in a room and quiet and by myself, and that sounds so boring that I don't do it. I'm a people person. But Sabbath rest can also happen with people, and it should. Because if you notice, Sabbath was given to Israel as a nation. Sabbath reminders were happening to this church in the New Testament as a group, right? So what can we do as a group? We can spend time with people. But you can do that with, like, an act of worship. It's all about our attitudes. And maybe the point is to carve out, like, meaningful conversations when you're with those people. That's a piece of Sabbath worship. Maybe you can find ways to be intentional about encouraging one another, as long as it is called today, and to receive encouragement. So choose people that you want to Sabbath with who help you grow. There's other ways to practice Sabbath, but we have to sometimes plan for it, right? It doesn't always just happen. And the Jewish people, they would have had this this time where they're like getting ready. Almost Shabbat, time to get everything prepared so we don't work at all. You don't have to be that legalistic, but you can think ahead, right? You can be like, okay, if I'm going to be intentional about resting in my week, Maybe it's a full day, maybe it's an hour, maybe it's just saying like, I'm going to turn my do not disturb on my phone. I'm going to set my out of office during lunchtime so no one can actually get a message through to me. Or I'm going to say, stay at home on this night and just be intentional about resting. And maybe the plan is to take a nap. Maybe the plan is to reignite something that you haven't done in a long time, a hobby that gives you joy, Maybe you call someone who's meant a lot to your life and you just tell them that. Sabbath intentionally. But whatever you do, just plan to practice it. Make a plan now. Make a commitment in your mind to practice Sabbath. And just practice. (laughs) There's no checklist. There's no, we're not going to grade you on it. Just practice. And practice again. And we're going to practice right now. We have communion and it should be, let's just let it be a restful time because we're resting in the assurance that Jesus died for us and he lived again for us. And he just says, remember me, spend time with me. So we're, we're not going to talk anymore. I'm, not going to stop, I'm going to stop talking. We're going to sit. We're going to hold things. We're going to taste things and just rest for a few moments. Sit in that thought of that joyful rest that Jesus gives us. Breathe in and breathe out and know that you are loved. Will you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for living a life that incorporated rest and showed us how to do it. Whenever we have guilt or pressure to keep going, Thank you for your reminders that you made us to rest. You give us that as a gift. So we thank you for reminders that you made us for this. Thank you for giving us hearts and minds and bodies that grow and are enriched when we've rested. And we thank you for wanting to spend time with us. That's pretty nice. So Lord, we ask that you would just continue to bring us those little reminders visually, someone speaking words to us to just be like, hey, have you rested this week? We ask you, Lord, because we're forgetful humans. So we thank you for your reminders and ask for you to continue. And we commit to come to you and spend time with you. We lift your name high. Amen. Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you ever want to join Echo Church in person, we meet on Sundays at 1030 a.m. You'll find us at 1301 East McMillan Street. That's in the Walnut Hills neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio, just up the street from our city's beautiful Eden Park. Find out more about us on our website, echochurch.org. Have a great week.